welcome back to another episode of the Unfounded Podcast. My name is Christopher Turner. I will be your host for today. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, whenever this reaches you. I hope it reaches you well. And for today, I think there's nothing else to talk about in the world besides dun-dun-dun coronavirus, (laughs) right? It seems like everybody in the world is talking about this pandemic uh, as it's been labeled, right? So for today, I feel like there's not much else I can talk about besides uh, what is going on in the world and trying to maybe analyze it through uh, some of the lenses we've been using thus far, uh, maybe through the more uh, spiritual side, a philosophical side. And I think that'd be interesting to uh, try to take a look at at how this is affecting people, um, not only you know, not only uh, logically but spiritually as well. So. Um, without further ado, let's go ahead and roll right into it. No need to define it. <laughs> I think we all know what the coronavirus is at this point. Um, one of the thing that's, things that's interesting is uh, I've, I've been watching a lot of, you know, there's a lot of, there's been a lot of experts. We've been talking about this, right? Remember, remember in the last or first or second episode, I told, told you that I have this sneaking suspicion that experts aren't real. That like that even the people that label themselves as actually the, the people that label themselves as experts are actually the people that you should be afraid of because they actually believe that <laughs> you know what I mean they actually believe that they're that they have attained the knowledge necessary to know that area or realm of the world right which is impossible the world is too complicated for you to know intrinsic or to know in, uh, at a deep level the intricacies of everything in a certain even in a certain field of study right it's partially what makes studying entertaining is the possibility that you can fill in gaps that you still have you always have gaps in your knowledge maybe it's not the the experts fault that we trust them so much we place so much trust in this idea of the expert as the person that can define what's going on around us but it's situations like this that you realize exactly how dangerous it is to allow people to just know, right? To say like, okay, you're the medical specialist, so you get to decide on this thing, and you're the, I don't know, the the infectious disease specialist, and you get to decide on this thing, and then you you compartmentalize all these things, and then you don't have the ability to actually judge whether those people know what they're talking about or not. <laughs> you know what I mean? And uh, what's the alternative? Well, it's not that you go and learn all of those things. It's not like you could become an expert. Uh, uh, it's not like you could you could attain the level of knowledge that they do studying only one area or subject their entire life. Uh, if you tried to study all of them, right? You just you're not enough. But uh, the point I'm trying to make is we play into this as an ego as part of the ego game. This idea of, of assigning people the title of expert as if this then sets them somehow above, places them on a pedestal and sets them above other people in terms of talking about this subject area. I don't think that's right. (laughs) And I think um, another thing that's being demonstrated right now is just how chaotic, not chaotic, it's not, just how much control the media has over the way you react to things. I don't think a lot of people believed that for a while. And I didn't for a long time too. You know, after uh, the 2016 election, you know, I'm like I've said, I've talked about a little bit my political leanings, but I, I was, you know, I'm naturally very liberal leaning politically. My ideologies, I tend to want to to side with the more liberal leaning uh, ideologies. Um, and as I went through school, uh, I became became fairly uh, extreme in my viewpoints. I would what I would consider now extreme. 
because um, I studied politics in, at a university level, and it's pretty hard to maintain a conservative viewpoint if you're going through <laughs> political science at most universities. Anyway, um, I definitely have a liberal leaning, but uh, as I've gotten out or, or moved away from especially the 2016 election and kind of witnessed the reactions that have come out uh, of the left uh, and the right, but it's more so on the left because I haven't liked the reactions. I haven't liked the panic. Um, it showed me how much misinformation there is out there, how much the media plays into this role, how much the media can influence how you view things. Because as I started to pull back from from this monster that I had had, had, had uh, joined forces with, like I started to realize that, oh my God, there's a lot of power that these companies have in determining how you view the world. And I think that's exactly what we're seeing right now in a really weird way. I don't know if they mean... I don't know if media companies realize how big they just messed up. Because I don't know if you've been noticing, but if you go and look, go look at your newsfeed, you'll notice a certain consistency, logical consistency with most media platforms when it comes to orienting this panic. You know, when you go and talk to anybody that considers themselves an expert, you know, uh, Joe Rogan had one guy on uh, the other day that was pretty good. I listened to him all the time, obviously, if you couldn't tell. Um, but uh, he had a guy on that was that was pretty interesting to listen to. And again, n- none of these, you know, none of these people are, are, are sitting here saying uh, um, it's not a big deal because it is a big deal. You know, the coronavirus is a big deal. It's deadly. It's it's killing people. It is killing people, especially in Europe. There's a, lot of, a lot of countries are in some bad shape right now. But it's the idea that you can do something about it. And that there's some kind of um, that there's something to be done about it. <laughs> this is the problem: is when you posture, when you set up this situation as if something more could have been done. And this is what I see happening from a lot of the news outlets right now: is they're they're turning this thing into a political game, and they're trying to say like, hey, like for instance, and again, I'm no Trump fan. Right. I'm sorry I'm taking this politically, but I, f- I see a lot of politics and what's going on in the, with the coronavirus right now. Um, you know, I'm no Trump fan. I'm not his biggest fan. Right. I don't I don't like the, the from what I know of him as an individual. I'm not a fan of, of his. But at the same time, uh, I do recognize that Trump, he has put up with a lot of bullshit that most of the presidents haven't had to put up with a lot of a lot of flack from these other media companies. There's been a lot of hate coming at him. And what I'm seeing now with the coronavirus is 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 a lot of media companies using this thing to to attack and and undermine whatever legitimacy as president presidency has held up until this point right that being mostly based on the economy itself and its success i read another article i can't remember i think it was from cnn the other day and they were saying you know like what what more could be done? It was basically, it was right before Trump declared a national emergency and he was asking whether he should declare a national emergency. It was saying, you know, are we waiting too long? I mean, is this something that we need to call a national emergency on and, and make sure that, you know, institute military, uh, uh, some kind of uh, martial law? And then literally like three days later, I read an article from the exact same company, CNN, or two days just recently, like yesterday, uh, CNN after they declared the national emergency, uh, criticizing Trump for declaring a national emergency and blowing it out of proportion. 
So you have this situation where it doesn't matter what the man does or it doesn't matter what we do, what move is made politically. Somebody, there, there's, there's, the media is running with it as a political story. It's like, oh, we have this virus and it's horrible, but it might help a certain side. So let's try to push the narrative that way. And you can watch it happen right now if you, if you pay attention. Uh, you know, I think a lot of people think that that's loony, lunacy, that, you know, that, 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 the media doesn't have this backwards agenda and that the media is not trying to, it isn't pumping out propaganda every single day. And that's exactly what they are doing. And you can see it right now. If you watch, it's a really good time to watch, to see this. But anyway, I want to get off the political, the political thread there, because I don't think it's all that helpful necessarily, but I do think it's a good time. Like I said, it's amplifying that process. And so you can watch it happen. And I think one of the things that good things that could come out of this, uh, is maybe we do come out with a deeper understanding or a better understanding as a collective community of what kind of impact the media has on our our perception of the world, period. You know, we kind of got a little taste of that after the 2016 election, seeing how much influence the media has, period. Not only the media, but social media, period, as well. Uh, but and I think after this coronavirus, we're going to realize or we're probably going to come to some kind of understanding, a deeper understanding collectively, I hope, hopefully, of, of just how much impact and how dangerous it can be to spread misinformation uh, as a member of the media, right? Now, um, let's talk a little bit about uh, the actual virus itself. Um, you know, there's been a lot of people everywhere I go, everybody's talking about it. You know, I, I work at the melting pot, like I've said before, and I, I talk to, you know, when I'm making the cheese at the table there, I get to have some conversations at every single table. It's the only thing on people's mind, you know? And, uh, but I like to see people's, get people's reactions and I'm getting the same reaction from every single person I talk to, which is confusing me as well, because it's opposite the reaction, the panic that I see on the TV. Every single person that I've talked to said, is, is looking at the panic as if it's ridiculous. Now, what I'm trying to figure out here is whether pe- those same people are also participating in it. Whether the people that are running out and buying all the toilet paper up are also going down, sitting down at, <laughs> at Melting Pot or having, having lunch out, out somewhere and, and, and saying, oh, yeah, this is crazy <laughs> kind of a thing. You know what I mean? Uh, because there's just far too many people panicking out there for me to not have run into one of them yet. It's almost like we're ashamed of our panic. And I think that is going on right now. I think people are ashamed of just how out of control they feel in a time like right in this, in a present moment like this. And you should, you should definitely look at that. If you feel that way, like you're running around, like you feel a little crazy because you've gone and bought 50 pounds of toilet paper. You know what I mean? If you did that, take a second and think, stop, think about what caused you to do that. And think about how out of control you really are. If you went and ran and did that. All you have to do is switch the criteria. Make it not not a pandemic. Make it um, make it a person. Inspire that same kind of fear surrounding a person. Say that person's going to hurt you, and then see what people's reactions are. See how you react. What do you think happens in presidential elections? I'm not saying just the last one. What do you think the candidates try to do? They try to do exactly that. They try to make you think the other candidate is the coronavirus. <laughs> they try to make you think that that thing's going to infect you. So you have to keep yourself at, at a distance from those other ideas. Yeah, that's exactly what they try to do. Because they know that it's dangerous for you to play with those ideas. In the context of your loyalty to them to the whatever political... I'm talking about both sides here. I'm not talking about just the, the left. I'm talking about the right as well. 
If you're deeply entrenched in this in, in, in one political ideology or another, and I know this only applies to the United States, you know, any, any listeners that are listening outside the United States, I apologize. I'm not as uh, savvy on the political parties themselves and the political leanings of those parties throughout the other countries in Europe and, and other parts of the world. So I apologize on that, but I am fairly knowledgeable on the ones within the United States. And I think that this is something, this is like I was saying, I'm pointing out, trying to point out exactly what, how the media works, how they influence you, and how they trick you into thinking things or believing things that you don't actually believe. When people use that metaphor of a puppet's on a string, this is what they talk about. If you went out and bought 50 pounds of toilet paper, you're a puppet. Because what do you think is going to, is that toilet paper going to save your life if it's really as bad as you think it is? Good, you're going to be able to wipe your ass. Fantastic. If it's as bad as you think it is, wiping your ass is going to be the last thing on your mind. That's what you have a hand for. Unfortunately, other parts of the world understand that. We're so spoiled in the United States, uh, we don't understand that. <laughs> that. And with the lack of toilet paper, what happens? You wipe your ass with your hand. That's what happens. Okay? But you don't need toilet paper. You need food. Right? There's, there's this... There's something about this moment, this distilling effect about this moment that's going on right now that is showing you just how crazy we have been in this country for how long. Just how disconnected with the reality of life that I've been trying to outline in this podcast from the very beginning. It's about survival. The fact that people are associating toilet paper with survival shows you how disconnected from their own internal survival instinct they actually are. They have no idea what it takes to survive, period. They attach survival with comfort. You have been trained to attach survival with comfort so that you're this timid thing that can't defend itself and all it does is consume. You're like those geese that they fatten up they hold still and they, they just feed fat and bullshit their entire life so that they get extremely fat and tender and then they slaughter them. Or, or cows, they'll do the same thing with that. Or, 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 or uh, veal, right? You know, they won't let them move. They'll, they'll tie up, the, they'll tie up the, the baby calf and not let it move its entire life so that its meat stays tender and unadulterated. What do you think you are in the context of this society? That's all you are. Factory farming? Screw that. It's a factory society. It's a consumerist society, and that's what that means when people say that. You are meant and built you you are your value as a thing in this society in this economy at least is uh and I fear in this society is that is the is is something to consume. You're a consumer, you're something to pull crap out and, and ingest. And then to do it over and over and over again because that's what keeps the wheels on this machine moving. And as soon as people stop consuming things, the machine falls completely and utterly apart. Why do you think there's such a panic on Wall Street? Right? All it takes is the domino situation. All it takes is just one boop domino to start where people panic and they stop consuming as much as they usually do. Or they overconsume and blow the supply chains out of out of out of the water to where you can't <laughs> a panic ensues because people can't get the things that they need 
You know, the media goes out there and tells you, oh, go stock up, make sure you have enough food for three weeks. Well, everybody does that at once. Guess what? The supply chains can't manage that. You can't restock or they can't, it completely breaks it, period. And then you can't get food after those three weeks or it's out for another month after that because you broke the supply chain. Then you have a real problem, which is, I think, what we're going to have happen if this continues down this road. Keep panicking. Keep buying 50 pounds of chicken and all that toilet paper. See what happens. You're going to break the supply chain. And then you're going to be so scared. You're not going to be going out to get anything else. Everybody, what, what are they telling you to do? Hunker down? You know, stay inside. Don't go out. Well, if you do that, you go, let's say everybody goes out to the stores. Let's, let's take this idea. Everybody follows the advice that people are being given, right? Everybody goes out to the stores, stocks up for two to three weeks worth of food, perishables, all that kind of stuff, right? Then they sit at home for those two or three weeks and don't do anything. What happens to this, the markets themselves? Like what, what happens to every other business in, in that economy? They're all shutting down, right? You hear all these people, all these, all these things shutting down? If you think the economy, like like the, the stock market itself is going to keep performing in that in that kind of an economy, it's not. You can keep injecting money like like Trump's been asking the Fed to do. Inject more money. We need a bail. Come on, inject some money in there. All these companies are at, we need a bailout. You gotta be kidding me. You need a bailout? Now? You need a bailout. What because be, because you lost the wealth you created the last four years? That means you need a bailout? No, 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 no. That's the game you signed up for, investors. (laughs) It's gambling, and you're finding that out right now. Nobody wants to believe that. Everybody, oh well, we can, we we have data. We have data. We have we have equations. We can we can use algorithms, and they can tell us the probability of this and 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 this. It's like, oh yeah, did you predict this? Did your algorithms tell you coronavirus is gonna hit in November November 2019? Hmm. Oh shit, there was no data co- to collect. That's how the world works. Sorry I'm being super sassy, but I'm very aggravated by the, the reaction this coronavirus has brought out because it's it's highlighting everything I've been talking about. I don't know if you've been noticing that if, as a listener, if you've been seeing the trends that I've been point, pointing out in people and the world, in the media, all over. It's everywhere, guys. This ego problem is massive. It's bigger than I thought it was, <laughs> which is scary. Because also, why do you, if you're panicking, you're playing the ego game. Why are you panicking? Ask yourself that. What is there to panic about? And you ask yourself that, why am I panicking? Is it because you believe you're finite? Is it because you believe this is all there is? Or you may be in that secular worldview where you feel like you have to seize the moment. Because it's logically consistent. If you feel like you have to seize the moment, if you feel like this is all it, then when anything like a coronavirus presents itself, where there's a possible threat to that, yeah, it's action time, right? And if everybody's on that same wavelength at the same time, what happens? Chaos. Anarchy. Society itself will fall apart. The Joker commented on this a little bit. I don't know if you noticed that as well. (laughs) 
right now is the perfect time to figure out what you believe in. Right now is the perfect time to place faith in something outside yourself. Because it's going to be the only thing that will allow you to lead a normal life. When the comforts of the world that we've been so lucky to enjoy for the last hundred years fall away. And I don't mean to sound like a like I'm trying to predict an apocalypse or something, but I do think the world is changing. And I do think that what we've been living in is an illusion. An illusion, uh, illusory, what is it? Illus- illu- anyway, illusionary world. That, yeah, it, it was real, and is real in the sense that, you, you know, it's, it's the only thing we have, but um, it's not the way existence, it's not an existence's natural state. Existence's natural state is, is suffering. The natural state of things is more this, the chaos surrounding coronavirus, than the comfort that we've, we're coming from. And so if you're panicking, it's time to figure out how to quell that panic. People throughout all of human history figured out a way to quell the existential fear they have within themselves that is inherent, that is constantly there. The reason it's constantly there is because the world itself, in its natural state, is a dangerous place filled with pain and suffering. And that you, inside of that, you by yourself are not enough to deal with the suffering, pain, angst that comes with that. You need something else. You need something bigger than you to believe in. That's how you get through those times. That's not only how you get through those times, that's how you hold societies together through those times. There's a function to it. A deep function that we have missed, a value. Sitting here talking about the lunacy of the specifics of the stories within those religions themselves. No, 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 no. This is why they exist. To avoid what we're having happen right now. One thing that really bugged me, I'm a, uh, I'm Catholic. Uh, by choice, right? Like, I, I was, I was raised Catholic, but like I've, I've said before, I, I went away from the faith for about 10 years and chose to come back. Kind of had a reborn moment, you know? And um, yesterday, you know, I've been having, for, since Ash Wednesday, actually, which is, is a time of Lent for the Catholics, is a, is a holy time, um, <clears throat> when Jesus was in the desert uh, going through travel. Uh, he was in a 40-day fast in the desert uh, preparing for the crucifixion. He knew that he was going to die. Uh, and he was trying to find the inner strength to, uh, to face to do what he know, knew he needed to do, to choose the hard path. And for 40 days and 40 nights, he was in the desert fasting by himself. And in the desert, he encountered, uh, this is where he encountered Satan or Lucifer uh, three times. And Satan and Lucifer tried to tempt him with comfort, with food, uh, with riches. He tried to give him the world. Um, and uh, in the Bible, Jesus denies him three times. And this, the number of three is significant as well, right? It's a holy number, the Trinity. But um, that's this, That's what the time of Advent, or I'm sorry, not, um, uh, hold on a second, Advent? That's not Advent calendar, what am I talking about? Um, we are, we're not in Advent, I have no idea why I'm forgetting the name of this. 
Lent. Thank you. <laughs> Whoever that was that gave me that, thank you. Um, Lent. I said Advent. Advent's in, in, during Christmas, but um, around Christmas. But um, Lent. And it's this time where you kind of, you're, it's, you're supposed to pick something to give up. You know, you're supposed to go on that journey with him in a sense, spiritually. You know, go into the desert. Give up something that you need. You know, humble yourself. Uh, because it's when you have the least that you figure out the most about yourself. And I think that there's something very um, odd about the time frame of Lent lining up with exactly um, kind of the fear of this exploding about three or four weeks ago, right? And I think there's something meaningful in that alignment. I think it might be outlining exactly what we need. Kind of like I've just talked about. Like I've talked about in all these episodes. What we need is to humble ourselves. You're not that important. You really aren't. I'm sorry. I'm not either. No individual is. We need to understand that. Because it's the first step. I think in, in reigniting whatever, whatever kind of um, deep meaning we have internally as human beings. I think that's the first step in doing that is, is maybe as a collectively, as a consciousness, as a human consciousness, we have to have some kind of event happen where we can recognize where we've been going wrong. I don't know if this is it. I don't think it is. I'm just trying to point out the lunacy that exists within the human condition and the world itself today by focusing on an event that is calling out all of the worst parts of us all at once. <laughs> you know? And I think it's a really, it's, those are the best times to take stock of yourself. To go deep. Maybe to battle some of that fear. Remember I talked about, like, you got to choose the prickly path? If you want to start to tear down your ego or define where it is, figure out what you're afraid of. I wish I could have been standing in line with all of those people at the supermarket while they're buying all this bullshit. I wish I could have talked to them and asked them all, all these questions. Just talk to them. Because I guarantee you every single one of them is playing some version of this ego game. I guarantee you. The funny thing is, is a lot of them might call themselves people of faith too. Really? Because there's something antithetical about the idea of panic when you're talking about faith. Panic doesn't exist within the word of faith. Why I brought it up, I, I know I kind of got on a tangent here, is I tried to go to church uh, yesterday. And during Lent, I haven't been able to go because I've had my job. It's been getting in the way, and I haven't, you know, it's partially on me for not waking up early enough, things like that. But 
Yesterday, I had work uh, at 10 in the morning, so I you know, made the decision the night before to wake up uh, early about 6, 5.36 and, and go to the 7 o'clock mass in the morning. And I checked the night before online to see if there was any times open and nothing, or if, if it had closed or anything like that, and it hadn't. And so I woke up the next morning, you know, kind of excited, like I said, because I enjoy going to church. It's a refresh. It's a renewal for me. It, may, it gives me energy, you know, and, and I'm, I needed it. You know, this, some of these last three weeks have been rough. And so I, I, I drove driving in there and I remember turning the corner to go into the church and I just saw an empty parking lot and I was like, you gotta be kidding me. Uh, and as I drove up, they had notes on the door saying, you know, we're closed until further notice, uh, no services until further notice. And I got to say, I was really disappointed in that. Not in, um, the end of any individual, like any individual leader in that church or whatever, in my specific church. Uh, but for like the, I guess the, uh, Catholic diocese of Colorado, you know, this, this, um, playing into the panic is not smart. Uh, religions are supposed to be bastions against this kind of chaos. They're the things that stay steady throughout the chaos. You know what I mean? Churches are the last things to close their places to close their doors. Period. Even in wartime, you know, throughout Europe, there was churches that kept their doors open throughout bombing. While bombings were happening, you know, buildings crumbling around them, ch- churches are still open. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? We have one little coronavirus pyrrhic where you could catch a cough, possibly two point two and a half percent at the worst estimates. Two and a half percent of the population that gets infected will die. And we're closing our doors. I get it. Everybody's saying, you know, well, you don't want to have a mass gathering of more than a thousand people. That's where people are going to catch it. You're not going to stop it, crazies. That's what I'm trying to say. You're playing in the biggest ego game imaginable, thinking that you can control a fucking virus. Excuse my French. It spreads by breathing. You can try to keep people from gathering in groups. You can keep them in their houses. You can do whatever you want, but you're going to destroy something else in the process. You're going to crash the economy. You might destroy the entire society, period. Who knows if we can get it started back up again? If it goes too far, if you push the panic too far. But the bastions against that the religious institutions playing into that shame on you shame on you if you're afraid of the coronavirus you're afraid of losing yourself you're afraid you're holding on to this thing you called life or maybe you're afraid for people around you maybe you're afraid for you know your elderly loved ones maybe that's it Maybe, maybe you're playing, you have the savior, savior complex. Ooh, I'm going to be okay, but I need to make sure they're okay. Here, do me a favor, just don't. Because you're not going to help anything. <laughs> if, you think you're, if you think I'm wrong, like, please give me an example of it. I know you can't. I know you're listening. but The best way we could fix the coronavirus right now is that everybody for five minutes stood still and didn't move. I don't mean because that would stop the spread. I mean because it would stop the panic. That's the best way to stop the coronavirus. <laughs> the coronavirus, the, 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 
I'm very curious if this continues to go on, if the panic gets any worse, what you're going to start to have is coronavirus-related deaths where they didn't even catch it. You're going to have panic-related coronavirus deaths. Same things you see on Black Fridays when people are trampled trying to get into, into stores. You're going to see that for people trying to get Lay's potato chips. You know what I mean? If you break the supply chain and then there isn't any, <laughs> then people are going to really panic. And then you're going to have people dying, people killing each other for that shit. That's the chaos you saw in the Joker at the end of the movie. <laughs> it's a version of it, at least. That's anarchy. We're always just one flick away from anarchy. Now, I know this has been extremely dark and kind of depressing, and I don't know how it couldn't be because we're talking about something that's affecting all of us right now on a global scale, and that is scary by nature. I'm not saying that you're wrong for feeling scared. You can't turn off fear. The fear sense is built there to keep you alive. We've talked about this, right? The, pr- the point is to not play into it, to not think that that is, only, that is all you are, is that fear sense. All you are is this thing that needs to stay alive. What makes us different than other species is that we don't play into that by default. Every other animal in the animal kingdom cannot control their response, their fear response. Humans can. That's where the idea of the hero comes from. That's why you don't have a hero, heroes in, in giraffe in giraffes, you know what I mean? Or, or elephants. Because if one gets afraid, they all get fucking afraid. <laughs> you know what I mean? They all respond. Excuse, again, sorry for the, the language. I don't mean to be overly uh, cursed too much. But, but humans aren't that way. Humans have the ability to say, hey, I'm afraid of that. Hey, I'm going to choose. I know what the response is, my natural response. I could let my natural response happen and just go into panic mode. Or I could choose to not play into that. I could watch that fear. And I could see what's going surrounding it, and then make a logical choice, or maybe make a maybe, maybe make a smarter choice uh, based on what I'm viewing. Not only not only what's happening in the world, but the way I'm reacting to it. That's what the frontal cortex, I think, enables you to do. Period. That's what thinking is. We've delegated it to philosophical thought, but it's that's what thinking is. Period. <laughs> I guess what I'll leave you with is there's no better time than right now to to take stock of yourself. If you have been panicking or you have that sinking gut feeling or you feel like shit's about to implode or whatever it is, analyze it. Watch that feeling. See what it's making you do. And then do the do something different. Oh God, I need a bunch of fucking chicken. Oh God, I need maybe not chicken. I mean food. You need food. <laughs> you do need food. Oh my God, we're gonna run out of toilet paper. Sure, maybe, maybe, maybe not. Maybe you'll have some extra paper towel. Maybe just wash your fucking hand. If it really comes to that. You know what I mean? But calm down about it. 
If you go to the supermarket and there's no toilet paper, <laughs> you know what I mean? You go to the supermarket, there's no paper towel. Calm down about it. And try to take, you know, value what you have. You know, there is a weird thing where, you know, things are shutting down. You're going to have time for the next couple of weeks. Most people are to spend time with their family, real time with their family. Put down the cell phone. You know, put down, turn off the TV. Do, do, turn off the, I know this sounds so, like, cheesy because everybody says this, you know, like, it's like it seems like a, like a Super Bowl commercial or something. But, it, but, it, truly, take advantage of this time. Take advantage of, 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 the break that coronavirus is providing you because the panic of the coronavirus is providing you and your family and try to try to use it leverage it for something positive you know take a negative make it positive life gives you lemons let's make some lemonade right i think that's the point i think that's what we should do moving forward try to figure out uh in, in these next few weeks um, how you can value the people around you and how you can make yourself a better person in a pan- time of panic. And I think if you can do that, then when things get good, it becomes that much easier to go through this process. Alrighty. And with that, that's what I got for you. Sorry if I freaked you out anymore. It wasn't the purpose. Uh, I hope it was more cathartic and just kind of event session. Alrighty. And I will talk to you very soon. Have a good rest of your day and stay safe. Bye-bye. <laughs>